0: What's up, everybody? It's that time again. It's Ketogenic Bodybuilding Podcast time. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin. We're also uh, replicating this on YouTube, so check that out. Um, It's episode... Shit, I don't even know what episode this is. I don't even know what it is. Uh, But whatever episode it is, I'm glad to be back because it's been like two weeks, I think. Uh, It seems like that anyway. I don't think we've hung out since the election. And so we're all kind of... Spinning through this election bullshit that's going on right now, and and I'm definitely not going to get into that, you know. But you know, it's it's got everything, you know, completely upside down right now and in utter chaos. And uh, you know, in the midst of that, since the last time we've hung out, um, I also got banned and completely deleted and wiped away from a very big social networking platform, uh, which I won't even mention. Um, yeah. Uh, gosh, probably nearly 15 years. I had that account, uh, nearly 5,000, uh, you know, quote unquote friends. Uh, but you know, it sucks because, uh, I'm, I'm very, very proud of the ketogenic bodybuilding Facebook group that, uh, that we've built and developed over the last couple of years. And, um, it's like a child and it's something I'm very proud of. And I've got some fantastic individuals in there right now and uh, 10,000 members strong and growing. And it, you know, I, I, I remade my account and uh, but I, it's, been, it was restricted immediately. So I'm only allowed to just kind of look around, uh, in the KGB Facebook group. So fear not everybody out there. I am watching and I am paying attention and, uh, and I'm seeing your posts come in and, uh, thank God I've got some fantastic admins that are, you know, working, you know, a little bit of overtime right now to answer a lot of the questions, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully, uh, my new account, uh, I, I don't even know how this shit works, but, uh, hopefully, I'll be taken out of jail soon. by my, by my calculations, if it's, I don't even know how long these things last. If, if it's 30 days, hopefully I'm out in uh, early December. So until then I'm just kind of checking stuff out, you know, kind of silently stalking in there because I can't like things. I can't reply to things. I can't even use messenger. So don't think I've flown the coop or abandoned everybody. I'm still looking, but it is kind of frustrating when you can't reply. Uh, at least I've got this podcast as a medium to answer some questions and keep every Everybody up to speed. And let me go ahead and, and, and mention a couple other things that are important. I, uh, have an incredibly talented and generous, uh, website team led by a very, very good friend of mine. And he's even one of my workout partners. And, uh, this guy, you know, he's done so much for me over the years and he's currently behind the scenes working on a new ketogenic bodybuilding community. And it's going to be, you know, housed on a private server, uh, so we will have full control of it. Uh, Nobody can ban it, block it, remove it, moderate it, censor it, none of that horse crap. I don't believe in censorship. And censorship has kind of spiraled out of control here recently and uh, so we wanted to be able to take control of that, so. Um, we're currently working on it. It's going to, my goal for the Ketogenic Bodybuilding new Facebook, or not Facebook, but the Ketogenic Bodybuilding community, just online, on the web, I want it to be a very simple and easy to use interface. Think of, you know, just a typical online forum that you can just literally go on there and you join the forum. It's absolutely free of charge and always will be. And uh, you're able to, you know, just like in a Facebook group uh, or like in a MeWe group or, or whatever you do, you know, you can post topics. You can have different discussions going on and you can interact with other, you know, friends and, and, and members of the group. So it is currently under construction and not only will it have general forums where we can discuss everything related to training and nutrition and competition and supplementation and just general this and that. But, um, we can even have some other cool little group things going on there and and have different subgroups of people. And I don't even know all the shit that it does, but uh, I'm just getting some feedback right now from my web guy because I'm not the most techie guy in the world it's a damn miracle I'm even able to do this podcast and a YouTube channel for God's sake so so as soon as uh, as soon as this thing's up um, I spoke with my web guy today and we're kind of you know it's up and it's running but we've got to make it look pretty we've got to brand it we've got to you know work the bugs out of it and I'm giving him a lot of feedback on that and when we feel like it's ready to roll, Then uh, we're going to launch it and we're hoping that will be somewhere around Thanksgiving. So maybe later next week. So that is my hope that we can have this thing launched by around Thanksgiving. It'd be really cool if we could, you know, have like a like a Thanksgiving or like a Black Friday release date of the new ketogenic bodybuilding community. And I urge everyone to uh, show their support of the First Amendment, uh, or the or if you are against censorship in in any way, shape, or form, then and you want a free thought and ideas community where you don't have to worry about being, you know, looked at by big brother, then, uh, I certainly hope that everybody will jump on board and become part of the new community. So I'll be giving you more updates. Here's the other thing about the the new ketogenic bodybuilding community that I'm excited about. And I'm also going to give you kind of a promise, um, because it's going to be our own little play place, our own little playground where we're, we don't have to worry about anybody looking over our shoulders. My promise to you is for you jumping on board over there is I'm going to be more active in that community than I ever have been in any other platform. I want to make it worth your time to be over there. So I'll be answering more questions. I will have the opportunity to, you know, post uh, data and research and uh, I'll be definitely doing more video content. Now that I've got the the, uh, YouTube channel running again, I've got this camera set up in my office. It's always just literally, I I can push a button at any moment, get behind the mic and talk and relay information to you. So I'll be doing a lot more video uploads in this new ketogenic bodybuilding community uh, because I think a lot of times if, if I can, you know, not only just explain it to you, like if you're typing something, but if I can express it to you in a video format, then sometimes that translates even better. So anyway i'm it's just I'm, you know we're going to take this shitty situation that we were dealt that was beyond our control, uh, by these big tech technocrats. And we're going to take hold of the reins and we're going to control this ourselves. And we're not going to let anybody dictate to us what we can or cannot do that. That's not to say the community is going to be the wild, wild West. We'll still have some basic rules. We don't want anybody, you know, acting shitty in there or attacking anybody. So as long as you behave yourself, you can still feel free to express yourself any way you like and be free of censorship. So that's the goal. So we want to have an ever-involving flow of ideas. And you know, we don't want you to to have any fear of reprisal from somebody ripping you apart if you have an alternative view to something, especially if it relates to training, nutrition, and so on. So anyway, I think that covers that. Um, so yeah. Um, so I will be giving you updates on a very regular basis. When I know of the launch date of the Ketogenic Bodybuilding new online community. I will actually shoot another video. Uh, If I'm not out of jail yet, then I'll have one of my lovely and talented admins at the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Facebook group post the video where I can explain how it works, give you the URL so you can get there, get signed up and get cranking on that thing. So we're pretty excited to do that. Also, since I got banned from a particular social media website, website. Um, My Instagram uh, traffic has increased um, dramatically. So I'd love to have you follow me on Instagram and I'm going to be more active there now in the coming weeks and months. And that's simply at the real Rob Goodwin. That is my handle on Instagram. So I invite you to follow me on Instagram. That would be awesome. Uh, so look forward to seeing you on there. So, okay. Onward. Um, this last, uh, you know, it took me a little longer to get to this episode of whatever it is of this podcast, because, uh, not only were, was I dealing with that and dealing with the repercussions and, and working on the community, but I also thank God got to have a few days off. Um, a very generous, loving client of mine sort of came out out of the blue and said, Hey, you want to use the beach house for three or four days? And I'm like, yes, I absolutely do. So I took that opportunity and ran with it. So this past weekend, my wife and I got to sort of run away from the world and we, uh, escaped to the beach in, uh, South Carolina, that Myrtle Beach area, sort of North Myrtle Beach, where we literally went on a media blackout and really didn't turn on any news of any kind. And apart from checking occasional emails and messages, I really wasn't on online at all. We basically just laid around and relaxed and ate good food and Just had a very relaxing time spending time together. So that was a wonderful getaway. Got to go to one of our favorite dive bars in North Myrtle Beach. And I want to give a shout out to Bimini's. Uh, If you know anything about the North Myrtle Beach area, it's a cool little dive bar. They've got the best. Just fried, you know, fish plates and, you know, great drinks and wonderful atmosphere and fantastic people. The owner's a super cool guy. The entire staff is super cool. And what I love about the place is the second time I've been there this year since this whole, you know, air quotes pandemic thing has happened and once again we were immediately told that we did not in any way shape or form were we required to wear the uh sinister identity concealment device also known as a mask so we were able to uh exercise our personal freedoms and enjoy our afternoon and our food and our drinks and time with others and it was just a really really great experience so it was a wonderful getaway for me and i and i really enjoyed it but now now we're back. Now we're back to work. Here we are doing a podcast. So let's get right down to it. Um, Basically the the title of today's podcast was going to be with the few notes that I did take. And I rarely do more than just a handful of scribbly notes, but uh, it was about basically fat loss expectations versus reality. And I guess it doesn't even necessarily have to be fat loss. It could be more, you know, results, whatever, whatever goal you have and whatever results that you're, looking to achieve whatever vision you have in your head of that body or that physique uh, that you're trying to develop and sculpt and uh, whatever the case may be, everybody has their expectations and that's compared with the reality of situation. And oftentimes the two are sharply divided. There's, there's a huge sort of a gulf or this huge chasm between the expectations versus the reality of how you get there. And there are a lot of, things at fault here. And, you know, a lot of it, we have to blame ourselves, but a lot of it, we have to blame the industry, um, that, that we're inundated with that we're brainwashed by. And, uh, currently, at least the last time I checked and look at, looked at some, I, I remember actually doing, um, speaking engagements literally back in the early two thousands, like right around 2004. Uh, 2005, I would do a lot of nutrition and training, public speaking engagements. And I remember quoting back then that fitness, you know, collectively, uh, the diets, the gadgets, the programs, the potions, the pills, the powders, all the stuff collectively at that time was a $50 billion a year industry. Now, according to the last time I looked at some of the figures, it's an estimated 72 billion, that's with a B billion dollars that we collectively invest in the, you know, the, the, the pursuit of, of developing the body that we desire the image that we have in our head the 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 quest for the reflection that we're looking for in the mirror so uh, but the sad thing is the failure rate is still the same today as it was back in back then and that hover, hover somewhere around 98% so if any industry out there it, you know if if i was asking you to look at any other industry that had a roughly 97 to 98% failure rate you'd think how can this business stay afloat how can it stay valid in the marketplace at all and it wouldn't but you know when you talk about fitness, or you talk about the beauty industry, if you talk about the pharmaceutical industry, you know, these industries are rife with uh, deceit and lies, And it's more about profits than it is about success. I mean, let's face it, when the editors and the board members of popular fitness magazines sit around, you know, the conference table, you know, sort of uh, putting together marketing plans for the next issue, they're not all sitting around, you know, you know, concerned that, oh gosh, we gotta make sure that everybody out there is getting results and they're succeeding and they're looking great and they're feeling great because that's just our mission. No, they need to make sure that their bottom line is met. They gotta make sure that they're getting the advertising dollars that they need to fill their pockets and impress the shareholders and keep the company afloat. That's why most of the things that you see in the magazines today are just regurgitated stories that you've already read, regurgitated workout programs, regurgitated diets. Things you've seen that have been out there for years that have just been given a new name, uh, a shiny new package, and they're going to be rebroadcast back out to you and you're going to soak it up like a sponge. And that's the bad thing, because in an industry that has a 98 percent failure rate, we end up typically blaming ourselves when we ought to be giving equal blame to the technology that we're applying and, you know, finally admit the fact that, hey, all of this hokey bullshit is just that it's bullshit. Right. But we don't learn from our mistakes and we continue to fall into that same trap over and over and over again. It all comes down, people. And I think I hope that the overwhelming majority of the people listening to me right now uh, already know that if you want success in building your body. You know, you have to have very strict dietary compliance for a very long time. You have to train hard in the gym for a very long time consistently. You have to engage in some cardiovascular activity depending on the goal. You have to get proper, adequate, and consistent recovery. You know, these things have to be constantly cycled consistently day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. And then, sadly, Or, you know, I guess depending on who you are, genetics plays a huge role, as does former lifestyle. How much, you know, metabolic damage have you, you know, incurred over the years or, 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 you know, whatever? So, so many things come into play, but the tried and true basics are still what works hard work effort and the word that nobody wants to hear patience you have to have a huge huge dose of patience if you want to succeed because it's going to take a long time how long i will discuss that and i've got some beliefs that that i that i feel very strongly about in terms of duration how long it takes so but why why is it maybe And that's here's a big maybe because nobody really knows to a degree except maybe you deep down in your heart of hearts or maybe somebody like a coach that you're working very closely with who does know a lot of the intimate details about your life and and truly does know about your dietary compliance. One of the things that I'm, I'm fortunate in is that in my coaching business, I have a very powerful tool in the app that i use that clients can track their macros it's tough to fake that it really is i mean i guess obviously you could you could put in all the good shit and not put in the bad shit and then blame me because you're not losing the amount of weight that you wanted to lose or or body fat that you wanted to lose Uh, but at the end of the day you know it's on you because i'm going to give you excuse me I'm going to give you solid macros that are going to either put you in a deficit or a surplus. To, so you're either putting on lean muscle or you're dropping body fat and getting that shredded lean body that you want. So uh, yeah, you can manipulate that, but then you're just being dishonest with yourself. And But there's so many psychological things that flow into this too, but nobody knows exactly, you know, specifically down to the finite point of exactly why things take longer for some than it does for others. I mean, we all know, we all know that that person in your circle that you are around that can eat anything they want and never gain a pound and always be lean and always look whatever. And yes, we hate that person, but so what it's that person. It's not you don't concern yourself with what others are doing or what genetic blessings that they may have. You focus on your damn self because you have to be solely focused on you because you know what others can do plays no bearing on what you can do. You have to roll your damn sleeves up and you got to get to work and it's harder than you think it is, and that's the thing nobody ever wants to hear. Getting the body that you have in your head is harder than you think it is. You know, and I try to tell everybody this. You know, I've got eighty plus clients online right now. I've been so blessed beyond measure; it's ridiculous. And and so many of the people I work with are such fantastic people. And you know, thank you for everything that that you even give back to me and make my life so rewarding. But. It happens all the time. And I, and I don't hold anything against these people. It's not for everybody. But, you know, inevitably somebody signs up with me. They'll literally I've had people literally go through two weeks of training and nutrition and they will message me and say, I, I just can't do this. This isn't for me. And my reply typically is, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. Fair enough. You know, th- that's cool. It's not for everybody. You know, it, it, you know, you just may not be in that place in your life where you can put that much into this because what you're discovering is the real path to success, not the one you're trying to be sold by some snake oil salesman on an infomercial, but the real path to success is number one about hard ass work. And I'm dealing out doses of hard ass work every single day through the workouts, through the cardio consistency and through you know, dietary compliance that I'm asking you to, you know, stand by every single day and keep tracking those, you know, nutrients and calories into the app every day. It's not easy. And sometimes it's monotonous and it's a pain in the ass, but Hey, you came to me with a goal and I'm trying to make you achieve that goal. And I'm giving you the true path to achieving that goal. And then you and I have to sort of be lockstep one, you know, together, we got to travel the same path and we got to get you there. So with that said, that's a lot of setup. I get it, but i'm just I'm trying to really prepare you for the fact that uh, and I'll say it again getting that magazine cover body that you have in your head uh, or the Instagram chick that you follow or the the pro bodybuilder or physique competitor or Brad Pitt and Fight Club, whatever it is it is so much harder to get to that point than you can possibly imagine. And there are some people that can can put in that work and walk that path, and there are some people that just aren't conditioned yet to get there. And you gotta work on that aspect of your life first, or at least work on it equally as hard while you're walking through that journey through the programming. So it's harder than you think it is. So to understand that, number one. now. Why do people fail to get the results? So what we're gonna do now is we're going to walk through the basics of how you lose body fat, briefly about how you build muscle, and why it may not be going so well right out of the gate, and little things you can do to possibly fix that, or more importantly, maybe you need to look at yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and have a little come to Jesus talk with yourself and correct some things in your head, not necessarily so much with your actions because how your head works dictates your actions on a daily basis. So what are some of the steps that we need to take to make sure that we understand how results work and then work through some of the difficulties of actually getting there? Okay, so first, in order to get results and understand the dynamic between expectations versus realities, we have to understand how this shit works. You're going to hear, especially in the ketogenic world, if you're coming from that super high fat, moderate to low protein, low carb keto world, the butter chugger keto world where everybody's consuming way too much fat. And I understand there are certain therapeutic needs in a very small, extremely small portion of the population population or, you know, there are just some people that that works okay with, uh, for dropping body fat, but not so well for gaining lean mass. But there are some people that just don't give a shit about that. So, but going over the basics of this, we're, we're drilled in our heads in that super high fat, uh, therapeutic keto world that it's all about insulin it's all about hormones that calories don't matter calories in calories out is is a antiquated theory it's 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 a myth it doesn't work well, unfortunately, as much as I would like that to be the case, <laughs> because it would make everybody's life a little easier if it was just about controlling insulin, because controlling insulin is not that hard. And one of the great benefits about a ketogenic style diet is you can really uh, reduce hunger and cravings and get this great mental acuity. And And it, it, it would make it far easier, even on myself, if it were just about you know, insulin and controlling that because in my mind, that's fairly easy to control. Now I understand there are certain populations out there of people who have sustained a lot of severe metabolic damage and they may be already, you know, uh, insulin resistant and have some major issues there. And yes, I understand that then it can cause a great problem. But even then in that situation, calories still matter. If you're trying to drop body fat, it's still about energy balance. It's still about calories in versus calories out. Think of it as that is step one, step one, making sure that if you're trying to lose body fat, you're in a legitimate caloric deficit. And then you consume macros in the right percentages and in the right amount of you know grams that gets you to that unique caloric ceiling that is in a deficit under your total daily energy expenditure. Make sense? I mean, thermodynamics is still a thing. Calories still matter. So don't let anyone think that it doesn't. And there is so much overwhelming evidence out there in the scientific world. You know, as much as I would love to agree with some of those people out on the fringe and say, yeah, it's just about hormones. Sadly, it's not. Hormones do come into play, but nothing's going to work in terms of body fat reduction if you don't get a handle on energy balance. So for instance, if you're trying to drop body fat and that is your number one goal you'd better be in a caloric deficit by a couple hundred calories typically now you can go lower and get more aggressive but then you start flirting with some issues in terms of maybe or the reduction of lean body mass you might feel like shit it's more difficult to control hunger if you go too deep you can you can uh have some hormonal dysregulation if you stay in a deep super aggressive cut for too long and i've had some people come to me that that is one of the reasons, um, why they're not getting the, the sort of, um, speedier results, uh, that they were expecting because I've had, uh, people come to me that have been eating in a severe caloric deficit and starving themselves and having borderline eating disorders and binge and purge people that come to me at a point where they have so much hormonal dysfunction and their metabolisms are so wrecked that the, best thing that some people could do before they work into a uh, more aggressive uh, caloric deficit or a cut would be to actually to add some calories, add a little more fat back in their diet you know, sort of, uh, take a diet break for a while, uh, work on restoring their health and their hormonal balance and all these things. And then once things, you know, kind of get back to normal, you get some blood work done, you maybe even get a hormonal panel done with your doctor. And then when everything is looking like, okay, I'm a normal functioning human being again, that's not completely shot. Now I'm going to do everything right. Now I'm going to do everything. Like I mentioned in, you know, earlier in the podcast where I said, you've got to train hard. You've got to, you know, have a, you know, um, dietary compliance, very strict dietary compliance. You got to throw in some cardio. You got to get proper recover, all these things. But sometimes before you embark on the hard basics, you know, big four things that it takes to get lean and get, you know, jacked and ripped and whatever, maybe sometimes you got to sort of reset the thermostat and get your body back to a baseline of health and hormonal regulation first. So even though, in my opinion, Opinion, that's not most people that does come into play. And I have come across some clients that this has been the case. And I just, I have people that come to me that, you know, they've been in a caloric deficit for like nine months. They've not been doing things right. Their, their, their uh, macros are all over the damn place, or, you know, maybe it's way too low fat for way too long or, or, or whatever. And things are just falling apart. And, you know, a lot of things come into play there. So I'll, I'll bring them back back up to maintenance calories or maybe even a slight surplus, maybe by 100 calories and just get them back to normal functioning human being again and uh, take that diet break and sort of de-stress a little bit and bring that cortisol down from the stress of I've got to lose weight, got to lose weight, got to lose weight. And then we bring them back into that deficit properly with a more structured game plan. And then things seem to start, the dominoes seem to start to fall and things fall into place for them. So, um, so one of the things that it could be is, yeah, there, there is a place for hormonal dysfunction in some people. Um, there is a place for, uh, like for instance, let's take testosterone in men. Uh, I have had guys in their thirties, literally in their thirties come to me and have uh, testosterone numbers that are like in like around 200, you know, or one, 100 and some, and that just blows me away. But Then if you look into the client's history, tons of fast food, tons of seed oils, tons of sugar and processed foods, way too much alcohol consumption, not enough rest, not enough sleep, no serious exercise. They're just complete freaking wrecks internally. So we've got to bring them back just to a point of health because guys, if you're not in you if you don't have proper testosterone numbers, it's going to be difficult, nearly impossible to build muscle, burn body fat the way you want to burn it and develop the physique that you want. You can try lifting all the weights in the world, but you You're just going to get discouraged very, very quickly when things don't start falling into place because you haven't taken the steps to regain some semblance of health because of maybe, you know, having a decade or so of just completely wrecking yourself. And... And that all goes back into being patient. I'm gonna talk about that more in a second. But So understand if, if you, know, you could have you know, uh, wrecked hormonal dysfunction from just extremely poor lifestyle, and if you're coming into you know, uh, doing things right, sometimes you have to reset that thermostat first. So you can have that hormonal dysfunction. You can have that wrecked metabolism. So get things straight first. Get some blood work done. Maybe even get a hormonal panel done just for peace of mind and know that, okay, Everything's in check. It's sitting there right in front of me. It's all good good under the hood. Now I'm ready to do this right and start cranking out some hard workouts, some consistent cardio and getting my macros back on track. So, all right. So other things that could be happening if it's not the wrecked body situation, which often it's, it's, it's not always the case. Like it's some people like that. And that's a relatively quick fix. We can get people feeling pretty good, pretty fast again, just with some good nutrition in their bodies, some, some healthy omega three, healthy oils, you know, nice, you know, meats and veggies and all these good things. So, you know, we can build that back up, ease them into some good exercise and, and start to build the body back up and sort of get ready to build up to that point where we say, okay, it's ready to now fire on all cylinders and take this to a hundred percent. Um, it could also be, and this is what it usually is. And this is going to offend some people. Oh, how dare you accuse me of that? But oftentimes more than anything, it's compliance. Now, to be fair, there are some people that may not truly understand that it's compliance. They think they're doing things right, but a lot of my clients, if I'm being honest, are guilty of not communicating with me enough. Now I've got 80 some clients and I'm always watching, I'm always looking at their macros, I'm seeing how their workouts are going, but it's not like I'm going to message every single person every single day and say, yo, man, what's up? You know, hey, how's it going? You know, how are things, how's the weather, you know? However, if you have a question about anything regarding your program, reg- anything regarding your training, your nutrition, your supplementation, your cardio, your macros, any of that stuff. Ask the questions, deal with me, talk to me, let me talk you off the ledge. If you're about to go do something completely ridiculous, that's going to just wreck your diet for the day. And I'm going to, I'll help walk you through it. I've done this a thousand times with clients, so that's no big deal. But compliance is often the thing that, uh, that, that people, what makes people fall short and you know, what falls under those categories of compliance. Number one, it could be very improper tracking. I really hate it when somebody messages me, client or non-client. I get a lot of messages from non-clients, which is fine. I welcome anybody to reach out. Um, But I like it when people say, I'm not getting the results, it's not working. And then I'll say, tell me about your tracking of your macros. Well, I'm not tracking. Or I just tracked for the first week. I got a really good idea of... know what a good week looks like and now i'm just doing it intuitively well you know what I can do it intuitively for the most part, but I've been doing this shit for 25 years. I know my body. I can look in the mirror day by day and know I need to make an adjustment, I need to hold to stay the course, or I need to do this, I need to do that. Most people are not fine-tuned to do that, okay? And you know, in, in other words, there's a the whole psychological component is, and I think everybody can relate to this to a degree, even myself, and a lot of physique competitors can really relate to this. What we see in the mirror, is very different oftentimes to what others see. You ever notice that when you do start dropping in body fat and making some serious changes that we're always the last ones to notice by looking at ourselves because we have such a critical eye and there's so much going on in our heads. There's so much internal dialogue that's almost talking us out of being happy with ourselves and seeing those changes. But you know, you walk into the office, or you walk into the classroom or you walk up to a family member or a friend or a gym buddy and they're like, wow, you're losing weight. You're looking good. And you're like, really? You know and you didn't notice it, but they did so our minds really play tricks on us all the time because That's just the way that we've been programmed over the years So but dietary compliance through improper tracking is often a big thing So I encourage you to really jump back on board with tracking and also track your tracking just because my fitness pal says this particular food at this serving size has this many calories, this much protein, this much fat, and this much carbs. Check it yourself. Double check it, weigh it, uh, pay close attention to it. See if there are two or three different, um, um, you know, uh, people that have put that food in there and the numbers are all different across the board. Check the original pr- packaging from the manufacturer or the farm or the whatever, or the butcher or whatever. Really try to, to do your own homework. You know, I, I, I'm more of a, I, I take a picture of the barcode if it's something in a package and then I flip the package over and I make absolutely sure that my serving size is, is exactly correct according to the recommended serving size. If it's double, then I just double the, math Uh, you know some people literally just trust that what they're scanning or what they're putting in is and I've literally had people not pay any attention to serving sizes you'd be shocked at how many people don't do this just because they scan it doesn't mean that it's accounting for the right serving size for you. I mean the serving size on the package could be four ounces of this particular meat and you're eating 12 ounces of it and you're wondering why things aren't working. I know this sounds some you know simplistic and you're like who the hell would do that? Well a lot of people do that so uh, make sure you know track your tracking double check your tracking you know hold yourself accountable with your nutrient tracker that you use. So uh, you know take a week and just make sure that you audit your your macros tracker you know, all my clients use my fitness pal so you uh, and i think we can use fitbit now but you know audit that tracker and just double check the math on that and make sure that 2 plus 2 is really equaling 4 and that's exactly what you're putting in your body because i've had people just kind of go willy-nilly on this stuff and then you know shit goes off the rails and they want to know why and i was like oh well just because you scanned it doesn't mean that that's what you ate You know, so check your trackers, audit your trackers. Um, Here's another one that drives me incredibly crazy. You know, there is this psychological phenomenon and uh, it's a real thing, it really is. And if I'm being honest, I've even done it a few times, but then I know I'm doing it. So I laugh at myself, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it happens around the holidays, especially, but you know, how many times you're tracking your meals, your legit meals, and you breeze by your five-year-old's French fries or chicken nugget and you grab one and you eat it or you grab one of this or you take your kid's plate away and they left two or three of that and you nibble on that or you go buy the candy tray. While you have a candy tray, I have no idea, but you grab three M&Ms and then two hours later, you grab four M&Ms and then three hours later, you grab you know three more M&Ms. Well, you think to yourself, these aren't my meals. This isn't what I track. It's such a tiny thing. It's not really going to make a difference. Well, I encourage you to add all that shit up and see where you land at the end of the day in excess calories and excess sugar and excess carbohydrate and excess, whatever excess fats, you know, and especially with some of the things that you nibble on that, you know, are bad, that you sort of have this mindset that if nobody saw me do it, it didn't happen. Well, most of those foods are the sugar fat combination foods that are the absolute worst things you can put in your body that heighten your, uh, you know, your desire to eat more and crave more. And it just sends things. Off into the weeds, so it's it's. I know for a fact there's somebody sitting out there laughing at the cells right now, saying, "You know what? Yeah, I do that. I I've got to you know I got to check myself before I wreck myself." so it's happening. Recognize these little psychological uh, issues that you may have, and and understand that. Remember what I said. This is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. So it's going to take an effort greater than you've ever put forth before in your life. Um, besides the nibbling that nobody counts and nobody keeps track of, um, I gotta throw out you know my my alcohol, my wine thing. And I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I brought it up in a podcast. Maybe I did. Um but uh you know um I've got clients that track their food great they comply um yet uh they'll have that two glasses of wine a night. And you know how alcohol goes. That two glasses of wine may turn into four glasses of wine or a half a bottle of wine. And then they justify that by saying, well, you know, I've, I've got to have that glass or two of wine every night to, to cope with what's going on in my life, especially now that I'm doing this stressful diet and these hard workouts. And, you know, now my time is, is even you know less and it's, I've got more of a strain on my life and, and, you know, with, with the kids and the work and the, this and then that, and now it's working out and now it's the macros and the diet and I'm hungry and I'm craving and I need to take the edge off often one glass of wine becomes two and then you know it's not like those two glasses of wine or those three glasses of wine are going to make it onto my fitness pal here's the issue pumpkin if you need two to three glasses of wine every night to cope with what's going on in your universe right now you don't need a trainer you need a 12-step program you need a therapist because you can run into some real problems there. And I've mentioned this before. And it's not just the women in their wine or whatever their mix their cocktail or whatever, but it's the guys in their beer or their guys in their I gotta have a Jack and Coke or whatever, whatever the hell the case may be. You know, if you're not willing to give up drinking with the guys two nights, three nights a week, or having those two beers every night after a stressful day at work, you're not ready for any of this shit. There's no place in bodybuilding for alcohol. You know how I feel about the term bodybuilding. That's anybody out there trying to make a positive change in their life through hard training, hard nutrition, and hard compliance to a hardcore badass lifestyle. So yeah, so one night a week, if you want to have two fingers full of, you know, of good good bourbon, uh, to celebrate a hard ass week. I do that myself. And let me tell you this right now. If I'm into a cut and I'm eight weeks out, 10 weeks out, there's no alcohol for me. I don't take any damn chances. All right. So I suck it up because I have a goal. You have a goal well, don't screw it up by drinking yourself out of that goal because you got to cope with your lifestyle. Either you can handle this lifestyle or you can't. If you can't, then you need to come to grips with yourself and make some changes in your life to where you can cope with it and you are ready to jump on the road to walk down that hard path to get the results that you're looking for. So that's all I'm going to say about this alcohol thing, but that just drives me crazy because it comes up more often than not. And, you know, again, an occasional drink, fine. An occasional weekend with friends, you have a couple of drinks, you you know, when a client comes to me and says, Hey, I'm going to be with some friends this weekend. Is it okay if I have some vodka and seltzer or what? I'm like, Absolutely you know, have a little fun. Just don't drink, 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 drink over the course of days and days or, you know, have seven drinks over the weekend. Yeah. That's going to come back to haunt you. Remember, you know, alcohol has, you know, straight liquor, for example, you know, if you're going to have something that's probably the best, um, because there technically isn't carbohydrate involved, but there is calories involved. And what do we say? It's energy balance. And if you're coming close to, you're reaching your caloric ceiling, well, alcohol has roughly seven calories per gram, and your body deals that alcohol, not in the digestive tract, but right through the stomach lining into the bloodstream. And it has to deal with that first before it gets to other real macros. And you're going to process that alcohol not in a good way. You ever heard the term beer belly? Well... Yes, a lot of that comes from the the sugar and the yeast and the hops, and the carbohydrates involved. But the alcohol, there's calories there, too, and it does have to be metabolized. So don't forget that just because it's bourbon or vodka doesn't mean it's void of all calories. It's like some magical beverage that just disappears in your body and takes you to Happyville. Okay, so you got to deal with that shit, too. So be very mindful of that. So, you know, the the thing of it is, is is I'm going to go back to um, patience and consistency just to wrap this thing up and make you understand. And then you can deal with these issues. And if you have other concerns, you can contact me on this. I'd love to hear your your concerns or what you may be dealing with. And maybe we can come to to some conclusions. But, you know, here's the thing. It takes time. Now, I'm going to make another statement that's going to piss some of you off. How long does it take? I, you know what? I don't, sometimes I'm afraid to tell people this because, uh, because I know how people are. People's impatience drives me crazy and we're all impatient to a degree, of course, but you know, and when you're making an investment in your body and your health and you're trying to achieve something, if you're trying to look like, you know, the three percent of the population that look like badasses, you better be willing to invest everything. You better be you better be all in. You better have push all the chips in the table and say, I am all in on this, or it's not gonna work. I tell everyone, regardless of your goal, regardless, one year, regardless, some of you more than one year. I don't know what that is, that depends on the individual. If I got somebody coming to me that's morbidly obese, it may take longer. But even if I say two years, let's say if you got 100 pounds to lose, and we can get 50 off in the first year and add 20 pounds of muscle, you better be ecstatic with that. And we know we're halfway, or, or maybe we can change the timeline based on your badass effort or your genetics or whatever. But what I am telling everybody right now is give every every one a year. I don't care how lean you are out of the gate. I don't care how muscular you are out of the gate. Give yourself a year to achieve the perfection that you're looking for, that genetic perfection. Achieving that genetic potential. Because not only do you need to lose the weight or add the muscle or whatever the, whatever it takes for you, but there's about, there's about tweaking it and perfecting it and making it your best. We all go through this. I mean, at my leanest, for competition, you know s- state i'm still looking at myself saying okay i'm i'm low digits body fat but i still need to bring out some here i, I need to take a little bit off my love handles cuz that's where i hold my excess fat or maybe my glutes are holding on to some and you know or maybe my hamstring glute tie-in is not separated or maybe i don't have that definition up in my traps that i'm looking for so it's going to take time no matter who you are no matter what your goals are so you got to give yourself a year no matter what Okay, regardless of the goal, because what that does is that sets you up to at least you have in your head, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what has happened. If if you beat a year and you're looking in the mirror and saying, I don't think I could get any better than this. I'm so freaking happy, I can't stand it. And you do it in eight months, congratulations. If you're at a year and you're two months away from being exactly where you wanna be, hey, you only got two more months to go or a month to go, whatever. If you get into the mindset of, I'm giving myself one year out of my life to achieve the best possible physique that I can possibly build, that's a damn good investment. Because especially if you've spent a decade of neglect and now we can completely reverse that in a year, that's a damn good deal the way I see it. So if you're trying to drive from you know DC to California, guess what? Yeah, there are a lot of different ways to get to California from DC, but at the end of the day, whatever it takes is whatever it takes. You know, it's not like you can get there like that if you're driving. You know, whatever it takes is whatever it takes. Deal with it. Be patient and know that you're going to get to that coast of California at some point. It may take a little longer than you thought, or maybe not going to take quite as long as you thought, or maybe you found a better path, but it's still going to take some time to drive from D.C. to California. So have that patience and that understanding that regardless of how long it takes, I know at some point I'm going to reach the coastline. And that's how you got to look at this whole diet, nutrition, training game plan. Give yourself a year and then. Tweak the numbers as we get there. Does that make sense? Okay. I think that kind of covers that. So before we stop the podcast today, I do want to at least cover, let's say, two questions. I did get some questions. So let's cover those. Okay. So let's move on to some questions. I do have, I don't want to take this. What do I always say? I don't want to take this too long. Hour and a half later. Um, I do have a page of questions and I can always continue these and I'm actually thinking about doing like, um, I don't know, tell me what you think, but I'm thinking about maybe like on one pad podcast, have a topic like today, you know, expectations versus reality. And then the next podcast questions and then the next podcast, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of playing with formats here. So if, if you have an opinion on that, please let me know that way we don't take them too long. But I do want to cover a couple questions. I've got some that I got from the ketogenic bodybuilding Facebook group back when I was able to access shit there. <laughs> so now I'm not allowed. You know, they slapped me on the wrist and said, no. But uh so anyway, um, I'm gonna cover a couple questions. Um, and this first question, speaking of videos, I need to do a video on this because it's something that's near and dear to me. It's very, very important to me. It's a big, big deal to me, and that's the mind-muscle connection. And the question is this, it says, I've been starting to really get into the mindset of thinking of the muscle I'm working while lifting. And it's been great to really feel uh, the target muscle working. Can you touch on mind-muscle connection and any tips as a coach, and athlete, and getting a stronger connection, especially says when it comes to the quads. But um, yeah, I do wanna cover that. Now, unfortunately with the quads, Legs are one of those things where you don't necessarily have to think uh, and make a mind-muscle connection. Uh, I think the exception to that might be maybe like a Romanian deadlift. Uh, You do really have to dial that in because you can make the critical mistake of uh, bowing the spine and not really getting into the hamstrings and glutes. uh, Where that movement should be, you actually... Pushing the the hips back and pivoting over at the hips to create the hamstrings elongating and then contracting when you come back up. But these are visual cues that I would really need to do a video on. And there's so many that I want to cover, especially with back. Um, With quads, I mean... If you hammer out heavy squats, if you do Bulgarian split squats, if you do lunges, if you do you know, heavy leg presses, leg extensions, you know, with a hard contraction at the top to failure and you know, all of these things, you're going to be hammering your quads, period. There's no two ways about it. There's not a whole lot of neuro linking you got to do there to hit. You just have to work your ass off with legs. However, when you start getting into upper body movements, especially posterior uh, muscles like the back. Now, this is back is my favorite muscle group to train. And like most people, I, I rarely felt my lats, my rhomboids contracting and really taking the brunt of the resistance that I was trying to apply apply to it. So um, with, with it took me literally years to develop it. Now, uh, like if I'm doing a rowing movement, for example, like think of a seated cable row or a pull down, like a cable pull down, or it could even be like a bent over row. I can now take any amount of weight. I can, like, if I'm demonstrating a, a rowing movement to a client, I could literally put the pin in 20 pounds on the stack, like, literally no weight, like toddler weight, okay? And I can demonstrate that seated rowing movement, and I can feel my lats just lighting up, inflating and deflating, contracting, squeezing. I can link to the, my lats and rhomboids so well now I can literally almost make them seize and cramp and it took a long time for me to develop that and and I, I think it does for a lot of people and a lot of clients echo that but then it's a really exciting thing when they start to really dial in that connection between their mind and their back and uh, I can give one tip on you know making your back you know feeling those back movements and and that's when and, and if you're watching on YouTube you know I'm going to move my arms through the air, but maybe it'll make more sense. And if you're listening to the podcast, maybe check out the YouTube version for just for shits and giggles. But you know, if you're doing a rowing movement, most people aren't really thinking about that connection. So they're, they're pulling from their hands. So they've got their, their hand on a grip or on a bar and they pull doing that rowing movement or that pulling down movement. Well, don't think of pulling from the hand. Think of, pulling from the elbow. So if I'm doing a rowing movement, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm just, you know, if most people are literally uh, 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 you know, instigating the movement more with forearms and biceps, you know, but when I do it, I pull from the elbow and I literally, I mean, just right here, pulling my arm through the air, I can feel my right lower lat muscle inflating and getting bigger. So think about pulling from the elbow and letting your back pull that weight into the contraction, p- contracted position. Start with maybe a little bit lighter weight and feel that contraction happen. But with every muscle group that you do, especially above the waist, chest, back, especially, um, you know, make sure that you're really feeling that like on, on a bench press or a pressing movement, keep that chest lifted, keep that shoulder girdle back and don't let the shoulders extend at the top of the movement. Keep them back. Let the chest contract. But because if, if you bring your shoulder girdle forward, you can literally grab your pectoral muscle and it's loose and flabby, but your front delts are now hard as rocks. So keep that shoulder girdle back. You can extend the arm fully, but don't let the shoulders follow at the top of the movement. Another thing I like to do is with triceps. Range of motion is everything for me with a lot of body parts. And with triceps, if I'm getting into that control position, I am literally locking out that elbow and squeezing that tricep with everything that I have. And you know, th- that's very, very important thing for me too. You're not going to see me, you know, shorting it on a tricep movement. I want to feel those three heads of the tricep contract with everything I have and almost cramp because of the force of that contraction. And that's how you bring that out. Okay. So yes. Focus on that mind-muscle connection. Make sure that you are really dialed into what you're doing, the weight that you're moving through space, that you're connected to it. Another thing that I do, another little tip is on my grip, I try not to do a death grip on anything, just enough grip to keep the bar from coming out of my hands. This way I can really focus on that pulling or on that pressing and I'm not concerned with this death grip and I'm not, you know, just inadvertently putting that force back into the arms. Like, you know, obviously if you're doing a pressing movement, you know, you're gonna get some indirect tricep and shoulder involvement. And if you're doing, you know, back movements, you're gonna get that indirect bicep and forearm activation as well. So, you know, really mentally focus in that the back muscles are doing the work and the arms are just straps connecting you to the weight point A to point B to where you can use your back or you can use your chest to make that contraction. I hope that makes sense. Again, I got to do a video on this and because I do have some cool cues that I use and if you see these in action. I think it would make some more sense. So I'm going to put that on my to-do list. So great question and to, you know, put a fine point on that question. Yes. Critical that you do that. Pay attention to that. Work on that with every single workout. It's not just about moving weight from point A to point B. It's about allowing your muscles to move that weight in a controlled manner. One of the things I hate about CrossFit is they are fantastic at moving weight from point A to point B. And oftentimes they don't ever lift anything. They don't lower anything. They use momentum way too much. You never want that to become a factor. So it's not about, it's not about momentum. Momentum and gravity can be your biggest, you know, foes in the gym, you know, so it's, you want the muscle moving the weight through space. I often say you can't do a movement too slow, but you can definitely do it too fast. So think about that as well. So great question. Uh, the next, uh, let's see question. I want to, I want to get through this one says, um, the effects of heavy, intense training on libido. Yeah, I just asked that. (laughs) I I think it's a she. Uh, I just asked that, asking for a friend, aren't we all? Um, So let me go ahead and tell you, now, obviously, we'd all be lying to ourselves if we didn't think that, you know, libido is a concern. Um, But the cool thing is, uh, you know, we all want to please our partners. Uh, we all want to have a phenomenal relationship. And then that intimacy that we have with our partners is critical. And it's what one of the little things that makes life so special and makes relationships so special. And I'm sure my wife would agree. <laughs> so I'm sure, you know, she wants me to keep lifting heavy things. Um, Yeah, it is unquestionable, proven scientific fact that if you're trying to increase, like in men, if you're trying to increase testosterone, women too, they have a small amount of testosterone too, and it's important to have it. Um, You lifting heavy weight definitely helps produce more testosterone and a ketogenic or primal style diet definitely plays a role. Um, people that are consuming these processed food diets, fast food, crap garbage, if you're not getting healthy omega-3 oils in your body, healthy saturated fats, You know some of the best things for increasing testosterone and libido would be things like red meat, egg yolks, uh, all of these things, the things that we eat. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely over the years, this has become... All too common to where it's I don't even think about it anymore. It's just a given that I, I will have. I actually had an older gentleman. This was maybe three years ago. I was doing a lot of in-person uh, ketogenic diet consultations, getting people walking them through how this stuff works and how to get them set up. And I did one for a gentleman who had very low testosterone had been abusing himself for years and I walked him through it. I gave him the diet. I had him start lifting some weights and he literally comes back into the gym unannounced, um, weeks later, maybe maybe like a couple of months later. And he brings me to the back and he's got this smile on his face. He's like, he just wanted to let me know that things were going well. And he appreciated it. He's lost some weight. And he said, let me ask you a question. I mean, he, his voice kind of went down. He's like is it normal when you're eating like this and, and, and to, you know, for the big fella to kind of start waking up? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, hell yeah, it's it's normal. And not only is it normal, but it's expected. And he's just like, well, hell yeah, this is was a fantastic, you know, unexpected uh, benefit from all this. And I said, well, there you go, you're welcome. So uh, yeah, and, and things like that, hap- that happen all the time. So yeah um for sure you're going to get uh, benefit in that department and uh, let's see um so we got time to do one more uh, okay let's do one more I got one more question I want to do today then I'll let you guys go it's I'm a little over an hour so I, I want to dial it back um let's see <laughs> In a bulking phase, trying to put on muscle, if I lift one day, then have two to three days until the next heavy lift, should I maintain the same caloric intake on each day or should I reduce calories the farther I go out from the last lift? What about during a cut? I absolutely positively do not believe in reducing calories on non-training days. You find your... Uh, proper macros that work for you, whether it's a deficit for a cut or a surplus for a gain or whatever. I truly believe that you need those same macros, you need those same nutrients just as as much for the recovery process as you do to power yourself through the workouts. Um, Obviously if you're using some targeted ketogenic approach like I do and many others do, meaning if you're using some carbohydrate around your workouts uh, for greater, you know, energy and endurance or whatever, obviously that would be taken out because you're not training. Um, But I don't uh, deviate on my caloric ceiling uh, at all, uh, whether it's a training day or a non-training day, my body is going to soak up those nutrients like a sponge for recovery. Because as we know, as I harp on this all the time, you know, recovery is just as or more important uh, in some cases than the training itself. So I'll often say, you know, it's, a third training, a third diet, and a third recovery, you know, it, or equal amounts of all three, whatever, whatever, you know, clever way you want to put it. That's a very, uh, very, very important thing. The recovery process is so important and you need those raw materials to help in that recovery process. So I would definitely, definitely, definitely keep those the same. And in a cut, when I'm cutting, I get to a certain caloric ceiling uh, in a deep deficit. And whether I'm training that day or not, those macros stay exactly the same because a cuts, a cuts, a cut, a deficit is a deficit is a deficit. You're going to need that protein every day to help preserve lean mass. So if you're not training or you are training, the same rule applies. And as long as you're maintaining that deficit, you're certainly not going to put on any body fat. You're just going to keep reducing it and so on and so forth. So yeah, don't worry about that. So, okay. I think that's a good episode, not too long, right? I'm trying to, trying to shorten these up a little bit, I'm trying to give more content and have shorter episodes. How would that be? That'd be cool, because this is fun. Um, so, to recap. Uh, we've got some cool things going on in the community, meaning we're working on a community, the ketogenic bodybuilding community, where we're going to have our own member forums that, uh, you'll be able to join for free, just like a Facebook group or something of that nature, but without the worry of censorship and big brother and all of these things. And we're hoping to have that launched as early as Thanksgiving. Uh, But I would definitely keep you up to date on that. Hey, I forgot to mention it, but if you're watching on YouTube, it would mean a lot to me if you would click the subscribe button and the notification bell, Uh, that goes a long way in helping support the channel and support what we do and getting the message out to others and bringing us up into the recommended video categories. If you're following on one of the major podcast networks that actually has a sort of a subscribe or a follow feature like Spotify and iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would hit those buttons and even more if you could leave a review, that also helps helps me as well. And I truly, truly appreciate that Uh, good reviews, preferably. I'd like to maintain that five star rating. If I could, that would be a nice thing, but Hey, if I suck, I suck. Let me know. And then I'll try to do better. Um, so, uh, Hey, I coach. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, I have a thriving online coaching business. I work with a lot of wonderful people. I've got room for more. Um, I suspect that in the coming years, I'll be going to one-on-one internet coaching, maybe close to full time. That's where the industry is going. And I really do enjoy it. And that would give me the freedom to do more things in, in, as far as creating content for you people and doing cool things to, to that regard. So um, go to robgoodwin.com r-o-b-g-o-o-d-w-i-n that talks about all my coaching programs if you have any questions shoot me an email uh let me know if there's anything i need to explain to you or how anything works and i'd be glad to do that so but in the meantime Now that things uh, I'm back from my mini vacation, um, I'm hoping to pump out one a week. Now I usually do them on Tuesdays or Thursdays and I usually have them edited and up same day or the next day. So, uh, I really do appreciate your support. So thank you for everything until the next episode, go train your ass off, eat a big steak, get lots of rest and enjoy your life. Peace.